Hello, this is Tina Shabo with Make Life Your Medicine and TinaShaboYoga.com, and I'm here with Jamie. And Jamie and I are going to talk a little bit today about uh, the vial and the worthwhile, which is a blog that I'm working on. But I also wanted to kind of touch base with some things that I'm really working on in myself lately. Um, you know, we talk a lot about in yoga that. And I love Carl Jung, and I've uh, read a lot of him. And I've always, there's certain philosophers in the world that I always gravitate to, and I just feel like I'm in alignment with the way in my thinking. And Carl Jung, I love everything that he talks about from his dream, dream books to uh, interpretations of dreams to uh, watching your shadow self. I, I quote him a lot in my yoga classes. So I just kind of wanted to get down into our shadow selves and also in culture why erasing or diminishing or clearing your own shadows could really transform the world and why it's important for us to individually begin to work on our own shadow self because as we are finding out and as we know Jamie and I talk about things on very deep and intimate levels is that there is no way in the world to fix anything other than yourself it can appear for a very long time that you are fixing things or pleasing or helping or changing. And the truth is the only thing we can truly change and transform is ourself. And into that, we must be able to identify our own shadows. So how are you today, Jamie? I'm good. <laughs> you enjoying that little watermelon juice? It was very good. <laughs> I juiced my watermelons today. And Chris brought me four and two big watermelons from our garden just... There is, I run out of mason jars. It's just a lot of juice. Mm -hmm. So, but um, I want to jump in here, kind of coming off my last blog, The Helper, where lately I've come to a lot of, uh, I guess you could say, shifts in my awareness. Um, I went to a New York trip and I, it was a very intensive uh, retreat and, um, you know, some of the work that I did there led me into being able to see that for so long that I've been chasing my tail in life and really thinking I was making a difference with the people closest to me um, by keeping the puzzle together, you know? Right. And you and I talk a lot about, you know, and, and our trauma-sensitive yoga school and, and, and trying to stay on top of things so that we can be kind of cutting edge as to why we do things, root cause, Ayurveda always points to that. But when we begin to go deeper and, and see what we're doing, sometimes what can take us to our shadow self is, is our anxiety or our lethargy or our irritability. And when we take a deep look at those things, we can begin to uncover why the hell we're doing things to begin with and sometimes realizing that we're not really doing them with from a heart love but from a egoic way of staying in childhood patterns of uh, fixing people pleasing helping or whatever your patterns are so that you feel loved and accepted in your own way that you feel that you belong mm -hmm. um, and also I think there's a little bit of egocentrism uh, in the fact that we think that we really make that big of a difference anyway you right. know yeah. and recently coming back from New York when I was really taking hard looks at myself and um, I've been very open that I um, am Anna Pittman who was one of my 500 level teachers she's a PhD and a certified counselor she I am seeing her for therapy and uh, it's been really I've never done therapy before and um, it's I find it very valuable right now in my life so that I can get the most of it. I just want to get into a place to where I start noticing my patterns more and more and why. And then on the other side of that, her transparency program really focuses on our language and how in our culture, our language is so jacked up, really. I mean, if you think, well, what I've been noticing in the program is that she really, if you have a pause before you speak, you can almost see some of the language coming out that isn't 
a healthy way of speaking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what I've been noticing is the way that we interact with each other, especially if we're in our trauma, is always kind of to adjust ourselves to defend ourselves or our experience instead of like focusing on that person and saying things like, I'm noticing that you are, you know, and that was our entire first practice. So I want to be able to speak like that, not to, like you and I have, a, I feel like have a very healthy relationship, but you know, those relationships like that we have with our family or our parents or our children or, um, you know, workplace that we're kind of forced into, not relationships we choose. Right. Um, in our healthy um, state of being, but so that we can cannot get interconnected in these ways, in this designed way, so that we don't just begin an unhealthy pattern of speaking, right? Right. <laughs> so I want to kind of start with this by... Um, you know, the yoga practice this morning was very intense, and I've noticed something in my mind coming up over and over and over that is so tiny. And I, I, I don't, I, I was able to resolve a lot in New York, but there's, there's just something that's very tiny, and I'm noticing in my shadow self. I still have, we always have work to go, but I wanted to ask you when do you notice? that you're in your shadow self? Like, where's your point of, your pointers for that? I guess just in the the aftermath of a reaction to either something or someone or a conversation. Um, I probably don't pick it up as soon as I should. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, the pause maybe before you speak. Okay. That it's probably after. It is of like realizing that you know, you know, same old, same old of like you know they they made a left and then I made the left and then they went right and I went right and right, you know, yeah. how do you think this is going to be any different if you always mm-hmm. approach it, even mm-hmm. if you try not to approach it, but then like just react. Mm-hmm. So you notice when you're you don't you don't you. Are you not able to notice when it arises and you're watching it? You, you, are well, you, maybe I notice it, but maybe I ignore it. Yeah, depending right. on the, the heat of the moment. <laughs> no, I, I know. That's why I've talked about New York a lot because um, speaking with somebody that I love very much, uh, boy, he and I, he can trigger me quick. Like, the minute the accusations come in of mm-hmm. something that I felt like we've already dealt with. Right. Over and over dealt with. Mm-hmm. And then I'm kind of like, you know, how many times do I have to, right. you know, uh, serve penance? Right. You know, I, and I get, I think with him, it's so hard for me to not be triggered because I'm, I'm frustrated because we are in a bad pattern you know what I mean but I think coming back from New York I've noticed that I'm able to tame my anger really well like I don't think I've even been angry since I've gotten back to New York which is one of the reasons I'm creating space with the people Mm -hmm. that I want healthier patterns with right now so that I can keep on dissolving so that by the time we come together again that I don't get back into that right because you can only cut so deep in our pain to each other. And I'm trying at this point just to like, let instead of letting the wounds go deeper, letting them kind of heal right. with the space and then going back in and me, me, I'm going to have to be the one that holds this space. I, I'm going to have to because I have access to these practices because I'm going deeper in my studies because I'm practicing my yoga every day and my meditation and watching my mind. Um, But I wanted to say that if we are speaking from the heart, I feel like that's where everything that's worthwhile comes from. Everything that's beautiful. Right. And anytime we get the gut check, anytime we get the irritation, it almost seems to come from the guts, 
like the solar plexus. Like there's a, there's a, to me, physically, I can feel my irritation right there, right now. Like if I pay attention and just think about the essence of being irritated, it's right above my navel. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Eckhart Tolle talks about in The Power of Now, like if we can be ahead of the game by watching our pain body in the body, that that's when we bring the space in before the mind catches it and goes into survival mode and then the words start the mind and then spew from your mouth. Right. (laughs) Right. So that's probably the challenge, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yeah. Well, you always seem like an angel to me. I never see your shadow side. No, I was like just thinking about the conversation, thinking if silence though is like the way to you know not get into this pattern but then how do you know the other person doesn't take that silence as like also you know a um not an attack but like oh well now you now you don't care so i mean it just seems like that almost feeds the mind to want to have to say something to them or have some interaction i will tell you this and this is shocking for me to even say but I promise this is the truth. Every time I've done the practice of holding presence mm-hmm. and breathing in front of the person I'm talking about, mm-hmm. uh, he softens. And shockingly. Mm-hmm. It's, it has been the only way. It just takes such attention to yourself to do it the person that you're triggered by the easiest. That's mm-hmm. why every time, like I'm kind of shocked, like he, 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 you can tell he feels like he's being heard. Right. Um, so I want to just get better at it so that, because you know how pain, painful I have felt from my relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And for me not to be able to be in this situation is going to be me holding the space all the time for a long time if not inevitably you know yeah but it it has worked it's just the problem is is if i see him in a hurried place where i've got an hour and i'm back on where i've been for the last 10 years you know I am triggered easily because I'm like trying to fix and people please. And when you're fixing and people pleasing, that's in a spirit of hurry, busyness. It's not in a spirit of softening your shoulders, breathing, right. listening, softening your gaze, feeling love. You're feeling irritation. I mean, you know, especially if you got a client in 20 minutes and you're trying to, <laughs> right. you can't like. That's what I'm saying for me to be able to take the space for myself lately from my relationships are not healthy right now. That it, I am very soft. I'm not, I haven't been as irritated. I'm taking better. Even Chris has said, I have clients that have said that to me. Like, something's changed about you lately. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something, what's going on? Like, and I'm like, I don't know. I think I just let go of a lot of stuff. You know, it's, um, I want to kind of move on and talk a little bit about the violin in our culture and on a deep level what happens with our shadows, microcosm, macrocosm, you know, the shadow, and then what happens in the world if everybody's got a big, strong shadow, mm-hmm. nobody's holding the space or the light, and you begin to see the vial, the Hollywood elite, Jeffrey Epstein, all of that that happened with all these rich folks. The government corrupt. You know, no government is walking in love when they want people to be hating on each other. You know, right. that's just not a... I've said this from the start about our government. Like, I'd have a lot more faith on them if the people in charge were saying, love your neighbor. Right. I mean, you know, I it, it, let's let's bring this home. Let's, you know, this, this government don't want you to fight. And the news shows a whole, a whole bit of it's just... Um, It's a cesspool. Our government is a cesspool. And the Olympics, the tolerance of the doctor, you know, the higher-ups, but it's so-and-so, and and he, let's just ignore this and act like these girls, you know. I mean, Mm -hmm. people knew what was happening to these young girls, you know. how. And then 
why the vial is running the show all the way around and then the corruption with police officers, you know, the school shootings, you know, the school shootings, we've got unprotected children that are being abused and then placed back into the homes of the abusers, human trafficking, addiction at its worst, all time highs. That is the truest epidemic in our culture, animal neglect and cruelty, you know, and then the annihilation of knowledge and healing, you know, in plant medicine, you know, annihilation, big pharma and, and the way big pharma is running the show, you know, if there is an option for something with 10 side effects, that is a chemical. And then here's a plant over here that's good for you. We're going to sell you this because we can make money and you can grow that in a garden. It is just highly disturbing that we've got here. Um, I want to kind of talk about that. Like, and I've always said this, it's almost like anything that is a business that is made to where people make money. Let's just say it's a bottom line. Mm -hmm. That's why I like these books I've read about spiritually aligned businesses. You know, that I think there's one called The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, and then the other one is called Let My People Go Surfing by Patagonia. It's about the company of Patagonia, which are mm -hmm. two spiritually aligned businesses. Um, well, Simon Sinek just wrote a book about it, but... You know, but when business has nothing but a bottom dollar, that's all it is. Then if you think of everything, there's a quote that talks about what will be dropped to get what the energy of that and what must fall is everything. Like, so, and, and we want to know why Big Farm has taken over. It's because... You know, it's like a catapulting, you know, uh, the money is, is the bottom line. It's always going to be the bottom line. And, you know, I've even thought about, like, I think about things like this, like, why don't they get some sort of consciousness to know that, okay, they've got, is everything okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. They have got all this money now. They could change the whole game of the world. Billions and billions and billions of dollars. They don't have to um, continue to do just, you know, they could go ahead and say, okay, you know what? We're going to manage the, the fields. We're going to start small. We're going to change the game of the world. And I'm like, it, but it doesn't matter because they're making so much money on everything they do that money, it's just that greed. You know what I mean? It's like a, I don't even know how to even say that there's just no spiritual consciousness and greed at all is there yeah. it's, it's just um, you know I look around and I think of every single problem in our world comes from the shadow you know um, and you know it, you know, I've said this for a long time like um, you start doing a lot of yoga and you're not going to have people that have billions of dollars that are really uber sweet and good because the truth is you Quit caring about money when you're on the spiritual path. Right. <laughs> you, you might like a little luxury here and there, but the truth is you could care less at a certain point about a $10 million house. I mean, or even a million dollar house or a, like you get on this path and you realize that time in nature and time around good people mm -hmm. and time in the love, doing your practice and taking a walk in the woods and spending time with your pet and cooking good food and these and what in the the practice isn't very expensive anyway right you know growing a little garden or it could be emergency right. yeah go ahead and grab it so um i just want to kind of talk about that you know uh in this entire um you know, idea in the world of how we allow the powers to be take. It's almost like they've got it. But I also believe that there is a there is a way out of this. And one of the ways out is the light. And I have said this for a long time, especially in my yoga class. And I say this, if there is a spark in the darkest, blackest cave, that at the furthest corner of that black cave, you can see a shadow, like a light like a light, it lightens the dim. But if you take the pitchest black darkness out into the light, it's fully exposed. 
So I think as people begin to get more conscious in their actions and in their own shadow self, we can truly change the world. And I want to talk a little bit about, um, I wanted to talk about the worthwhile. You know, the fact that in what we were talking about before the podcast is that you know, you get a little puppy that needs rescued on uh, Facebook and there's a hundred people working to get that puppy rescued or a litter of kittens, you know, and I know so many of those angels, you know, I always mention Shawnee Animal Clinic and I mention um, cabin critters because they are doing it right with animals. You know, in Shaven Haven, Linda, who runs that, you know, for um, 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 Shawnee Animal Clinic, you know, those people make it happen, you know? And it's connection. Yes. Community. Love. It's yoga. They're, they don't want to be doing the poses, but they're doing yoga. And I say anything that people serve in love, the pockets of people who are doing something, they do it right. You know, when you see people, and the, and the only reason people can't get in there and rescue and help with children is because the government is running that show and the government doesn't do anything well. You know, if they did, we wouldn't be seeing our children die from addiction. We wouldn't be seeing Big Pharma running the show, padding their wallets or whatever. We would not be giving money to the government to say that it's healthy to eat, uh, you know, meat when you have cancer or drink um, rotten cow's milk mm -hmm. when you're sick. I mean, it's all a lie and you know, until people start empowering themselves and watching their own shadows and realizing what it takes to heal, they're going to stay in that. You know, they're going to stay in their trust of, of the organizations that is where they are. And, you know, but I do say this. Thank God we have good people in government. There are some. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think they're all good, but, you know... And I'm an independent, you know, I used to be a Democrat. I'm not anymore. I think the Democrats have jumped off cliffs. I just don't even know where they're thinking anymore. But So I, I, I think I'm just more of an independent now because I have friends that are Republicans, and I get their point, and I have friends that are Democrat, and I get their point. I just don't like anybody that's way so extreme that they can't be nice to their neighbor. You know, mm -hmm. I'm at that point. Like, if you hate your neighbor because they have a – different political opinion than you, you're never going to be able to get along with anybody on the other side of the world. I don't care what you think, but you won't, mm -hmm. you know, that's a fact. If you, and I understand sometimes we got bad neighbors, like what's that show? Fear thy neighbor. <laughs> hey, if I ever had one of those neighbors next to me, that's scary. Those people are really, that's scary. Now I'm not talking about the person next door that's raising pit bulls and feeding kitties to them. Like that's not a good neighbor. I'm just saying the neighbor that just has some different opinions. Mm -hmm. Um, we need to start. I feel like we have to start there. Um, what I wanted to say about that is, is also, um, with plant medicines, and you know, when I went to New, New York and was able to see that people are studying deeper and deeper on how to heal themselves with plants. And some of the teas that I drank in New York, I haven't had arthritis since I got home. And the fact that I do not have any anxiety and my constipation is totally done just from really deep work like that. Um, what do you think about what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> now there's a lot that you said. <laughs> I could pick a lot of things. Yeah. No, I do think it is true that um, all the way back to the beginning of you know what led to where we are now of saying you know people that you know when you focus on yourself mm -hmm. and that focus turns you know builds your heart and your heart then goes out to others from a pure space mm -hmm. and then that that builds around mm -hmm. you and how you were talking about communities and mm -hmm. and how that's really where differences are made yeah you know you could go around and around forever and think about all of these you know mm -hmm. big corporations and pharma you know, pharmaceuticals and all that but I think that the more that you just focus <clears throat> on like your own surrounding mm -hmm. and not that you don't care about other things, but yeah. that that's how that builds and builds and builds. Mm -hmm. You have to start from small space. Yeah. 
and work its way out. And, and I, I will say for the sake of, you know, because I have to say that there are people that need Western medicine, for sure. If you get in a car wreck, wreck you're not going to be drinking some ashwagandha. Or if you, you know, have a tumor that needs removed or, I mean, I, and, and there are specialized, so I want to make sure that I say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess where I'm getting into is prevention and honesty. Prevention of something happening, right. root cause of why it's happening, and the honesty of, of, you know, the side effects and on a plant medicine, maybe this is a better alternative. Or, wow, you have anxiety. Here's a one-stop shop pill. Maybe, why don't we get into some other things? You know, what's your childhood been like? Uh, uh, are you uh, sitting with your mind and meditating? Are you eat, what are you eating? Are you eating late at night processed food? That can raise anxiety. You know, letting people know that why don't we take a holism look at what's going on to get you where you are. You know, when I do an Ayurvedic treatment plan, I ask a hundred questions. The intake's usually never less than an hour, and sometimes up to ninety minutes mm-hmm. of me just wanting to know a person's lifestyle. Um, and you know, I don't, and and, you know, what's really sucky about this too, is the fact that there are people that are, I think most doctors that go into it and nurse practitioners for sure. I mean, there's always going to be these people just want to make more money. Let's face it. But most people that go into these fields and spend that kind of energy want to heal. I think anyone in the medical industry, you included, Mm -hmm. me included, we want to help people. We want people to feel better, you know? Um, But a lot of times when people go to work for certain organizations, they find that they can't do what they want to do because the whole structure is set up. It's designed that way. Designed, yes. So I don't think it used to be, but I mean, I think once they could see how much profit could be made, mm-hmm. it just kind of went from there. Yeah. yeah. Because I always say to uh, one of the doctors I work with, I wish I worked at a hospital when it was still a hospital. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> when like that was the main focus was just mm-hmm. taking care of people, not a business. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I'm very grateful SOMC has the Life, life Center mm-hmm. and focuses so much on healing and there you know and allows us to have freedom in what we say uh, and what we do and how we teach and what we bring to the plate um i love the life center for that i'm very grateful because right. it, you know that's it's, it's been a light in our community for so long that's why i work there i'm grateful i i started going to the life center years ago after a divorce i was overweight my blood pressure was getting high i had just come out of a depression the life center was my place to begin to heal and get well I mean so um, but I wanted to talk about um, that little that hospital there's a book that I read um, about the guy that was a paraplegic Mm -hmm. that had lost his limbs do you remember who I'm talking about I don't Um, know if I remember this um, I'm gonna look it up it's in California he opened up a hospital and it is, uh, it's for hospice. Okay. Um, and what happened to him is, I hope I can remember his name. Oh, there he is. It's a physician, he's a physician, B.J. Miller. Okay. He had this accident where he had grabbed onto these electric lines. Did I talk about him to you? mm there's a documentary that he's got out that's amazing and he's got a zen hospice hospital in california okay and he talks about in i haven't read his book but i've read a lot about him and watched his whole ted talk thing where he was on um and it was like an hour and a half and i also watched this documentary but he was really young and he was in med school like uh, this big medical school and i think it was harvard but he jumped up and he grabbed these electrical lines with his friends on these train things. Mm-hmm. He didn't know they were electrical. And he got blown like, I don't even know how many oh, feet. Gosh. And he woke up in hospital and his arms and legs were burnt off. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. He ended up, uh, he lost both legs below the knee and half of one arm. And he, um, it inspired him to go into medicine in the field of disability rights. But he took all of this inspiration. He's a beautiful person to just listen to. Um, and I may, Princeton is where he was at. And he has these hosp this hospice hospital that he said that hospitals were not designed for a state of healer. They were healing. They were very, um, uh, just by general, they were very sanitized and sterile. And healing is almost like windows open and nature, being able to see a tree outside or, you know what I mean? But he has meditations and everything. But people can come there to choose to die too. If they have cancer and they don't want to, you know. But also what he's getting into is the care of healing homeopathically with lots of things but he really wanted to focus on allowing people to die in a different way than they do now in hospitals to where they're dr kind of drugged up mm -hmm. and their families around them and it's 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 kind of sterile and um, so these hospitals like their family can come in and stay with them and they're taken out into the gardens and there's joy they sing and when the person passes, the family cleans their body and they do the ceremony with roses and they, it's almost like a celebration of life, the whole right. way that he's done um, on palliative care and the treatment of suffering. And he talks about finding the balance between life and death of joy and sorrow, but he's an amazing person. But I really was touched by that because I was like, you know, healing should be um, in every way. When we think about healing ourselves, should be uh, a state of to parasympathetic, totally non-stress in any way. Right. Having our loved ones around us, having um, access to juice, and you know, did I ever tell you when Helen Entler was in the hospital about me taking her her juices? You may have. I feel like that kind of sounds familiar. Helen Entler was a vegetarian mm -hmm. from the 70s on, honey. She she was that woman that I used to go over before I ever had a juicer, and I'd go over on Sundays and I'd buy all the stuff because she had that uh, Green Star yeah. juicer. She had two of them. One of them was in the uh, garage, but um, these things cost like $1,000. They're really expensive. And she was very frugal, but she spent money on her juicers. So when she got really sick and was in the hospital, like I would take her fresh squeezed juices down for her. And I go back and the nurse would be like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and Helen, I would go in and feed her. I went in there two or three times, not a lot, but, and she would just have her nose all scrunched up about the food. She was like, you know, because hospitals, and food right you know uh, like that's what I loved about the Cleveland Clinic did I ever tell you when I went there when mom had her heart surgery I don't think so the Cleveland Clinic everywhere you walk has new age music oh that's neat new age music the beat of new age music is I think 60 beats per minute and 65 to 70 nothing above or below that because that's this rate of your heart should be okay so they play new age music everywhere. They have beautiful art and their hospital. They have every single thing in their cafeteria that you can imagine. And it's all organic and healthy and it shows the calories right under it. And it was like eating at a fine, fancy place. Like everything, it's, it's really a holistic hospital. But uh, I think um, that's important, food. Yes. Uh, we're consuming it every day mm -hmm. yeah well what I notice about my shadow self is I like the cupcakes uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know Chris and I went next door and got ice cream last night mm -hmm. and uh, it's the first time I've been in there for probably a month so when I walked in the one girl's like like I was like I know you saw me every day for six months and then you didn't see me at all because I've been <laughs> uh, I've really been 
let myself be uncomfortable in my cravings lately. I'm, I'm really good with the food right now because I just know how it, where it's going to take me. Mm-hmm. I don't just eat a cupcake and quit. You know, it's the beginning of uh, I'm, I'm going to eat more in that day. I mean, I'm going to keep on going. Sugar triggers me to stay on the trajectory. Like, I'm not going to eat a cupcake for lunch and then have my green salad at dinner. Mm -hmm. And I know where it's going, and it's hostile almost. I mean, really, it is definitely a, it's a, it's a, I try to think back to where that is, but there's a shadow to that, to my eating, and um, I'm, I'm going to try to get to the root of that in my therapy, but it, I think there's something tied to that with the way I drank, where I couldn't just have one or two, and it took me down that road. It's, sugar can do that too. Now, not a good I mean, but alcohol is sugar, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is sugar, and I have kind of heard that there might be a correlation with people that have sugar addictions to people that have um, alcoholism. I think there's some studies that show that there's something. All that correlates one to the other. Yeah. Hmm. And, and when you first get sober, all you want is sweets. I mean, that's it. And I did that for about three years, three or four years into my sobriety before I started shining a light on it because I... I was working out enough and I was fine and I wasn't overweight. I just, I could have lost a few pounds, but I wasn't like unhealthy mm-hmm. uh, to that, you know, to an extreme. But what I remember saying to myself over and over for those three years is I don't care how much chocolate cake I eat as long as I don't drink the alcohol because mm-hmm. I knew alcohol was going to take me down and I could work right. on my addiction to sugar for a while. And I stayed in there. Stephanie used to say to me, She'd say, I never wanted to say anything to you, but I've watched you eat that, those desserts and sweets and thinking, oh my goodness, she's really, you know, <laughs> she's really. <laughs> but I can notice myself kind of getting in it and I have to step back on the shadow. But, um, and without putting hospitals down in that way, I'm not trying to like just throw everybody under the bus here. That's not where I'm trying to go. I'm just trying to say, I think there's a light of awareness there that people are starting to realize that they want more holism in their life or that maybe that they can be um, in charge of their life through, you know, I mean, you look at all these pockets of gyms, they're all doing great. Matt Keeney and his uh, food, uh, Barb Duncan loves his food, yeah. <laughs> she, mm-hmm. but you've got all these places, they're all doing well, Earth Candy is doing amazing and PSKC and Life Center and and um, Ivy Fit it just seems like all of our gyms the yoga club everybody's really trying to you know kind of get a little more in shape and oh, what do you think um, about our blog uh, about our uh, podcast here is it have I just been rattling off or <laughs> <laughs> no I think you made a lot of great points well, really, I'm kind of setting myself up to start writing this blog because I've got the outline made. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of thought we'd kind of jump on here a little bit. Um, I said, bringing the light into the awareness, light of the awareness into our space will bring our own darkness to light. Awareness heals everything if we are courageous enough to enter it. How can we do this? How can we begin to take a point of finger at every external problem we see and begin to point that back on us for a change? We can live forever in blaming others for our own unhappiness. You know, um, and then the other thing that I've started writing here, the vile and the worthwhile and the angels and animal shelters and the people that are out there protecting. There's also another service, um, you know, I want to talk about the foster parents that are doing it right, you know, that are loving our kids, our troubled teenagers, and our neglected children. Uh, 
little Jessica down here at the yoga club, the massage therapist, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she, she's really an amazing human being. Um, and I know a lot of people that come, that go to her that just absolutely adore her, but she also does something else where she is a, um, it's where you get a, a foster child's name and you are their handler. What's that called? Um, Something like big brothers and big sisters, yeah. something kind of like that. Yeah, it's like a protector. Um, there's an advocate. You are their advocate. Mm-hmm. And they have this program because she actually contacted me wanting me to do it. But I just told her I did know I don't like to take on anything unless I can really take it on. And I don't want to just half-ass anything. And that's right. not something. I mean, but it might be something I look at in the future that you get a kid that you are their advocate you get to know them you get to meet them and then you get to go to court with them so that they almost like have an external person on their side that's making sure that they're safe Mm -hmm. I think a lot of these kids are in uh, homes with parents that are trying to get their life together do you know what I mean but isn't that helpful I thought you know that because everybody you know I come from a place where I want to see parents get off drugs and and reunite with their kids and be the parent they're supposed to be like myself I can never like point a finger and say you're an addict I'm an addict you know I was an alcoholic I I mean I understand what it feels like to be powerless to your disease Mm -hmm. but to have that extra person that's really coming from love because it's I think it's volunteer you know so people that do it are going to do it because it's a heart thing right and then also that person can help you know, be, um, I mean, so many people in addiction don't have those sorts of resources. Really good people that are doing things from a loving standpoint and not in their traumas with them, in their traumas and dramas with them. So, I don't know, I just kind of feel like I'm seeing a lot of change and I'm also, I think the counseling center is doing a lot of things right. Um, you know, you hear people complain about the addicts here, and I, I don't really even get on there and read this stuff because it just, I'm like, come on, let's let's work together. But, but I will say that the counseling center really seems to be growing. I mean, I know so many people that are clean, long-term sobriety that are doing so many amazing things in those communities, you know, and you see the people and they have this whole tribe of their own. I just feel like the counseling center seems to be doing it right. I mean, yeah. how do you feel about that? No, I agree. And yeah. like, I think that's interesting about like the advocate for people mm-hmm. because a lot of people, I think, just only know the environment they've been in. Mm-hmm. When you have someone with a different kind of environment, that sheds light to their awareness of, I don't even know life could be like that. Like, mm-hmm. that's not even ever what I've seen or experienced. So I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you know, the people that are, you know, getting the help that they need, mm-hmm. they are going to pay it forward. And it is going to, I think, start to create more of a, I don't know what the word is I want, but just to create a pay it forward mm-hmm. that's going to just continue on and on and on mm-hmm. in some kind of shape or form. Yeah. Because normally things that happen out of, like, not a good place turn into something wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's like oh. that's what creates the spark to it. It does. It does. You know, I kind of feel like um, if we just kind of, if people can just learn to be still a few minutes a day, it can really change their lives. You know? For sure. I always try to get back to that because honestly, I remember what I was, that tailwind I was on. Yeah. <laughs> recently that just as good as I thought I was I started realizing that I was running just on this hamster wheel again mm-hmm. you know and not really knowing why you know I think it's what this shift lately has been from this place where I really stopped and looked around you know you said to me one time you know, you go, you go on, 
you like the go. How did you say that? Mm. You're talking about me and Scott. That we. Oh, how you guys are just. Well, I mean, you do. You both are just have a lot of energy and, <laughs> and you like the busyness. We go on the. We. Like you thrive on we it. We thrive on the go. Mm -hmm. And I do agree with that with me and Scott. Like, you know, it's the way I feel about Scott. Mm hmm. I've shared a lot of lives with him. He's probably been my <laughs> little brother. I've been his little sister. But we just have this uh, um, comfort zone. That I, I don't... He's just one of, one of the best friends I ever had in my life. I just... But, uh, yeah, we get each other, I guess you could say. And, and our weirdness meshes, you know. <laughs> our weirdness. But... You know, and the go is great, but it was past that to the point of, I think it had caught and taken its own thing on with uh, the last few years to where I think I wasn't letting myself, I was, it was turning into stress, mm -hmm. ultimately, and you know, I've noticed since I've been back from New York that I have not been in a hurry once, and I'm getting more done. Mm. Well, that's really good. Yeah. It's, um, it's enlightening. I mean, we definitely live in a society that has pushed us to all believe that the more that we go, the more that we get done in a day. Mm -hmm somehow the better people we are. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just yeah. something that's just kind of been fed to us. Mm -hmm. Most other people, other countries say we're like the only country that's driven the way we're driven, mm -hmm. but not that it's making a great result in the end, you know, more stress, more obesity, more yeah. heart problems, you know. They have like those, uh, there's certain places I think in the world that are like the top spots, you know, people live for a long, long time and are healthy mm -hmm. like they you know they relax mm -hmm. and it's a whole different world than you know what we you know well even my um underlying the driving what's the what's pushing that you gotta when you start looking at it and uh i was avoiding mm -hmm. some things you know some more inner work i think what's the same as like the you know being the helper as yeah. you know that was what I learned my first month of teacher training was I was not this great person for wanting to help all these other people. I was just avoiding my own stuff mm -hmm. by yeah. focusing on everyone else's. Mm -hmm. Like, let me help you. I'm not good enough to work on my own stuff, mm -hmm. but I could certainly help you. And that was a well, huge to be thing liked. to open up. We want to be liked. Mm -hmm. That's a thing with me. I, uh, and that's something that's totally dropped since New York. I I don't care if you don't like me. That dropped suddenly. I think that was the biggest thing. Because when I got back, I was like, why do you care if someone doesn't like you? Right. Because at the bottom of it, if somebody doesn't like you, they're not going to like you if you're nice to them. Right. It's like a... That's just part of our ego. Yeah. Of the want, you know, to be liked. Yeah, it is, and it's also uh, what Anna's teaching me, or what I'm learning in therapy, is that um, if you are people-pleasing and fixing, this was something that was really wild that came to me, and you are doing it because you want to be liked, do you know what you get in return? No. I mean, I would assume a lot well, of heartache. <laughs> well, but what do you think the energy line that you get if you are people-pleasing, fixing, and pandering to people? Like your own stress and anxiety and like health-wise no, to what, yourself? What, would, what do those people that you attract by doing that give you back? Oh. What would you think would be? Well, that they want more. They give you disrespect. Right, right. You... 
because my biggest question was I'm not getting respect. Like, you know, and the people that you do that or the people that are toxic, you get disrespect. Mm -hmm. You get full-blown hostility to a certain degree. Right. The eye roll, the you, you doing for them or helping or trying to please them or figure out how to problem solve that, mm -hmm. you don't get love back right? anyway. You know, and that... So when I look at, because I've cleared the house a lot in the last few years, I don't have any toxic close friends. I just don't. But I look in the past of the friends that I never could fix or there was always a tension or I could feel this awkwardness. It's like the ambivalent friends. It's like you just don't know and then you try something new and you, mm -hmm. you do not get love. You know what I mean? You get everything, because your shadow self is attracting another shadow. You're you're not in being, right? When you're in being, you attract the loving part of people, and the people that maybe don't have that or don't. But the truth is, any everybody has it, so you just attract more healthier patterns. Right. My question is how. That's what I told Anna. Like with, you know. How do you heal those patterns that were created in your dysfunction newly now? Mm -hmm. And it's she, you know, it's always about being. It, it has to be about being. That's all you can do. Right. So it kind of gets to a point to where I just want anyone that comes into my life from here on out to come into a healthy, to be in a healthier, you know, I, I, want, the, I want the shadow to be less and less prompt. I mean, I can see my shadow, but I, I want to be able to jump on that real quick, mm -hmm. you know? You want it to be a, a pureness. Yes, all the time. And no matter what I have to do to keep myself in check, you know? Um, and let's face it, the cleaner we get, the smaller our probably inner circle becomes. <laughs> right. right. You know, you're not going to have 500 people at your high school graduation party if you're in a spirit of being. I used to joke, I was like, I had so many damn people come to my high school. I always attracted people. I've been attracting them from the get-go. Mom used to say, geez, nobody has more friends than you. Like, how many people do you want at your birthday party? <laughs> <laughs> All right, darling. Well, you have anything to add from what we talked about? A little bit of the vial in the worthwhile. And this is also a little bit of, we were just trying to think of something to talk about today about the blog I'm getting ready to write. But also we are going to be jumping more on our blog, uh, on our uh, podcasts once September kicks in. We're going to be back on a schedule, aren't we? Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking about teas and tonics and things more in the spirit of Ayurveda. We just kind of wanted to touch base with everybody, talk about my next um blog that I'll be writing. Also, don't forget to get on uh, my website and read my blogs. Uh, my last blog, I was able to get in in five or six weeks, and that's usually every three or four months. So I'm really trying to work to get a blog in every four to six weeks for you. And also, um, once the fall kicks in, Jamie and I are going to get back on our schedule and be putting out a podcast, uh, hopefully weekly. But I won't promise that, but I will promise that we're going to work for sure bi-weekly. I think we can make mm -hmm. that happen. For sure. But hopefully weekly. But we'll get it get it there for you. And I uh, want to tell you all I love you so much. And make sure that, as always, you take very good care of yourself and others. And to always make life your medicine.